While we were marching through Georgia, everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The Alaman left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right to left walk on your heel and toe. Promenade that pretty gal to Georgia. This is my third year of presenting this podcast and talking about Georgia history. I've always been interested in the local history in the different places I've lived, but one of the things I love reading about is the Yukon Gold Rush of 1897. I've read pretty much everything I can get my hands on about Chillicoot Pass, towns like Skagway and Circle City, and miners like Skookum Jim. It's definitely on my bucket list to visit the Yukon some summer. So today, we're going to have an extra episode about a character from the Yukon Gold Rush who, coincidentally, was born in Georgia. This is Moving Through Georgia, and we're going to talk about Soapy Smith. Jefferson Randolph Smith was born in Newton in 1860, which qualifies him to be on this podcast. His family was well off before the Civil War, but struck hard times afterward. By 1876, the family was living in Texas, and Smith was embarking on a career as a conman. In Fort Worth, he would run shell games and other short cons that resulted in quick money. One of his short cons earned him the nickname Soapy. He would set up a table on the sidewalk covered in bars of soap. With the crowd watching, he would wrap paper bills around the bars of soap, then wrap them again in brown paper. For anything from $1 to $5, you could buy a bar of soap and unwrap it to find money or nothing. Of course, a member of the gang would always manage to buy the bar of soap with a $100 bill wrapped around it. Most people walked away disappointed. Within three years, Soapy Smith was in Denver running short cons, long cons, and gambling operations. Denver has a Georgia connection as well. It was originally founded as Aurora by Georgians who had left mining at home to try their luck in the West. The locals appreciated that his gang mostly fleeced visitors to the city and left Denver residents alone, and that Smith often donated to local churches and charity organizations. He had many of the city's police and politicians on the payroll and had settled in to run a full-blown criminal empire. Eventually, around 1892, his operation became so large and well-known that the police were having a hard time turning a blind eye. Other gangs were moving in and the locals were starting to demand that the politicians clean up the city. A new governor tried to fire a few corrupt city commissioners who refused to leave their posts. The governor then sent the militia to enforce the order, who faced a locally formed police force headed by Soapy Smith. Both sides faced each other down until the state Supreme Court ruled that the governor had the right to remove the commissioners. The local police force was disbanded, and soon the new appointees were working to drive the criminal elements out of Denver. Smith was now a wanted man in Colorado, so he followed the tales of gold in the north and moved to Skagway, Alaska. The con started again, and soon Smith was holding court in a saloon he had dubbed the Real City Hall. 
those who resisted or demanded that the police step in were dealt with violently. Smith paid off the editors of the local paper so that stories of corruption and robbery wouldn't leak to the outside world. One scam he was famous for was charging newly arrived people to send telegrams home. There was no telegram service in Skagway. He actually raised some forces to send to fight the Spanish-American War and received a commendation from the War Department. Smith even rode at the head of the town's 4th of July parade. Now, even with the newspapers being paid off, Skagway was gaining a reputation as a lawless and dangerous place. Miners searching for gold on the Yukon began avoiding the town, choosing instead to stay at Dawson City or towns under the umbrella of the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, who had a reputation for honesty and incorruptibility. The town of Skagway was starting to dwindle away. J.D. Stewart left Dawson with nearly $2,700 in gold dust and stopped in Skagway. The locals all professed to be impressed by the sack of gold and took turns asking to see it. One saloon patron offered to take Stewart out back to see a captive eagle, and when the door closed behind him, Stewart was held by two men and the gold was seized. Stewart wanted to report the crime to the police, but the gang stayed close around him, assuring him that it was just a joke and the gold dust would be returned shortly. He would be delayed like that for hours while the gold was hidden away. Complaints to the United States Marshal resulted in nothing, and a few prominent citizens began to grumble that this time Smith and his gang had gone too far. Vigilantes began to gather, and Smith began to drink and get progressively angrier. A fella named Frank Reed confronted Smith, who pointed his rifle. The men wrestled over the gun as Reed pulled his revolver. The rifle went off, shooting Reed, but Reed managed to fire a few shots into Smith's chest, killing him. Eventually, Reed died of his wounds as well. The coroner's jury ruled that Reed had killed Smith in self-defense and police began rounding up the gang. Most of the gold dust was recovered and returned to Stewart. Both men were buried in large funerals, but Frank Reed's was also a funeral for the Smith gang and its influence over the town. Reed's grave marker is a large marble affair, while Smith was buried under a wooden headstone. He had traveled from Coweta County to rule first the city of Denver, then the town of Skagway, then to meet his end under a wooden headstone far off in the wilds of Alaska. Everybody swing your honey, swing your high and low. The yellow man left for the old left hand, around the ring you go. A grand old right left walk on your heel and toe. From an aid that pretty gal to Georgia. That's all.